I'm Dan Benjamin, and this is The Podcast Method, a show where I attempt to answer your questions about podcasting and recording, audio-video equipment, software, mic technique, pre- and post-production workflows, and all of those kinds of things. This is a really fun show for me to do. I'm not on a totally regular schedule with it, as you have noticed, as you have asked, Uh, but just because I'm not releasing an episode every week doesn't mean I don't care about you or I don't care about the show. I do care about the show, and I definitely care about you guys, the listeners, and I care a lot about our Patreon supporters who make the show possible. I just want to make sure that I've got a lot of really good things to say on the show. The last thing I want to do is repeat myself or answer questions I've already answered or go over tips that I've already given. I want each episode to be really unique and really interesting and answer new questions and hopefully cover new ground. So if I don't do a show every week, it just means that I'm focusing on making the next show uh, the best that it can possibly be. And, you know, we don't really cover news or anything like that in this show. So it's it, it doesn't necessarily need to come out every week. We're not going to miss something. Uh, but I know that you miss the show when I don't do it and I miss doing it. So, uh, you know, keep in mind if I don't do a show every week, it's just I'm waiting for uh, a really good group of questions to answer. And I have what I hope is a good group for you this week, a couple of really good topics that I want to cover. Uh, one of them, just to start out, there's been some so many interesting things have happened in the space of podcasting over the last few weeks. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Mark Marin, as everyone knows, had uh, President Obama on his show. That's kind of a, a big deal, kind of an exciting thing. Uh, Scripps bought the mid-roll. Another interesting thing we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, and just in general, you know, Spotify rolling out a early version of their podcast-supported uh, software, which I talked about a little bit on one of the last few episodes. So much is changing. So much is going on. What does it all mean? There's a big conference coming up. It's actually not far from where I am here in Austin next week. Uh, it's called a Podcast Movement, and I'm going to be speaking there about kind of the past, present, and future of podcasts. Uh, they really left the topic open. I could pick whatever I wanted to to talk about, and it occurred to me that I've been doing this stuff for a really long time, a lot longer than I kind of realized uh, when I thought about it. I think I did my first Shoutcast stream, my first live Shoutcast stream back in like 2005 or 2006. And the first time I really did podcasting with a knowledge of this is a podcast that I'm making. And there's there wasn't quite uh, iTunes support for it yet. But when that came around that I had a show there, started back in 2007. So that's that's a while that I've been doing this show. Not this show, just shows in general. Uh, but it, it occurs to me that, you know, I've seen a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I've, I've probably made every single mistake you could possibly make in that time. And again, that's the point of this show. But I thought it would be fun to to go there and talk about all the uh, all the mistakes that I've made, but also how we've been able to see this industry kind of grow. And uh, I won't say this industry has matured. It, it sure has not matured at all, actually. I don't really think that uh, that that we're really aware of what podcasting will bring, what it will become, and what it will eventually be able to do for us as uh, as people making shows. And for our listeners, it's such an interesting time, though. It really is an interesting time. 
I've been experimenting over the years with lots of different formats too. When I first started doing podcasts, it was mainly, uh, you know, I started out doing The Pipeline, an interview show. It's a show that I still do and I still love to do. Interviews are so much fun. Finding really good interviewees is always a great challenge too. But doing that show, you know, that was one of the original shows that I did. I also did a discussion show where I had like a small panel of guests and those two shows plus a couple other kind of development-related shows, that was what I started 5x5 with. It wasn't until years later that I started doing what I I guess you could call the buddy format, me and one other person uh, meeting every week to to go and do a show. And that kind of, that format kind of became the standard. It seemed like there were either podcasts were either interview shows or buddy shows, and occasionally the panel show thrown in there. And you know what? It's still the same today. Those are the three most typical kinds of shows because they work. I think that's how human beings work, right? Like we're talking one-on-one with someone or we're in a small group having a group discussion. Of course, there's also the the one-person show, the show that's like a news show where you've got someone sort of just talking about here's the news that's happened over the last day or week or hour. And of course, shows like this, which is sort of me monologuing uh, talking about the stuff that's been on my mind. And it's so fascinating to me, the shows that, uh, and how those shows kind of become popular and come in and out of being popular. What seems to be really popular right now is the, the sort of panel group show. Uh, the buddy show is less popular right now. It was so different just a few years ago. And I don't know if that's a trend that's here to stay or if it'll be different again in another year, but my guess is it'll be different again in another year. But the show that re- the kinds of shows that really stick around are those really great interview shows. Everybody loves an interview. Those shows are also so hard to do. You've got to research, you've got to prepare, you've got to schedule. And I would love to do the pipeline on a regular basis. It's just so tough because the people that I want to interview, they're donating their time to the show. Uh, they usually are pretty busy people. So getting them to schedule, it, it can be tough. And then if they cancel... You cancel all of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, I guess I don't have a show to do this week. <laughs> I didn't have a backup person. Well, that's normal. And I, you know, I think everybody who wants to do an interview show really struggles with that. It's not like bringing somebody on, you know, the late show or some, or the tonight show where, yeah, they kind of will really make sure that they fly to that city to be there. It's a little bit different with a podcast, a podcast even though people take podcasting much more seriously now than they did five years ago, it's still, you know, it's not quite the same as a a network TV appearance. So we're getting there. We're getting there. But, you know, that's the thing. Podcasting is, is really changing. Another big thing that happened in the news, Ira Glass announced that he was going indie with, with all of his stuff. And why not? Podcasting is the, is the place to be, isn't it? The tools are maturing. The audience is maturing. The way that people can listen, it's getting easier and easier every day. But we're still at the forefront of something really cool and really new. And it's really, really fun to be a part of it. And so about those other news stories, you know, Mark Marin, when he got President Obama on his show, it made huge waves. And so many people said, this is such a big win for podcasting. It's a huge win for podcasting. In a way, I think it was a win. I mean, anything that draws more attention to this little industry that we're all part of is really, really exciting. It's really, really cool. I was trying to think of like an analogy of what, what, what that would be like. You know, it's almost like 
if uh, if President Obama was on like a cable access TV channel and, you know, that that would be kind of a big deal. Right. But would that change cable access, you know, channels? Well, no, not not really. Uh, and it doesn't mean it's the kind of thing that's ever going to happen again or that will happen for regular human beings. Mark Marin is not a regular human being. He's somebody who has a tremendous following. He's done you know, tons and tons of, uh, of, of real, <laughs> if podcasting's not real, of real media stuff. You know, he's like a, a, an entertainer. He's like a, a big deal. And so when people who are a big deal come to podcasting, they bring with them a huge audience. Whether those people are, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, Alec Baldwin, just to name a few, you know, these are people who come from, uh, or other, other places like Ira Glass, as we mentioned, you know, people who are coming from, years and years of experience at NPR and bringing their tremendous talent with them. Tim Ferriss, huge following now from TV, but from writing way before that, he does a podcast. You know, it's one of the biggest podcasts out there. Why? Because these people are bringing that amazing audience with them. I think it's going to be a long time before we see people starting with a podcast and becoming a, a media figure, if you, if you will. You know, you, you are starting to see YouTube stars becoming media figures. It's funny that uh, my, my son, who's not quite eight years old yet, he thinks of YouTube people, like when we look at uh, YouTube videos and things like that together, he thinks of that, that YouTube for him is like what TV uh, or movies were for me when I was a kid. He sees that as like, that's like, these are stars, these are celebrities. And you know what? They, they really are. And now they're starting to cross over more and more. You're seeing somebody who has millions and millions of followers on uh, or subscribers on YouTube crossing over into TV, crossing over into these other things. Anytime you have a media figure from one space crossing into another, they will bring that amazing audience with them. And that's exactly what you have where these, these really big figures are moving into podcasting. They're saying, you know what? Here's another avenue for me to interact with people. Here's another avenue for me to to get in touch with fans, listeners, and, uh, and, and an audience. And there is a relatively low barrier of entry compared to getting a show on TV, compared to making a movie happen, compared, I would say, even to, to going on tour if you're like a, a stand-up comedian. It's so much more uh, direct and so much such a more direct way to communicate. Really, you just need like a microphone and something to record with. And that is, uh, it's the first time to do that we've been able to do that. What I don't think we're seeing yet, though, is somebody who's doing a podcast without coming from another place, whether they're TV, movie, uh, or, or even a radio background. A lot of these amazing podcasts that we're seeing that, uh, you know, Serial is a perfect example of this. These people have tremendous talent and they also have a lot of radio background, NPR background, public radio background. So they're off to a really good start in using those skills and that great talent. You know, when I was talking to a friend recently and he was pointing out that, you know, so many of the podcasts that we're all accustomed to listening to are created by, lack of a better term, created by geeks, right? Nerds like me who spent a long time with computers and messing with audio equipment and that kind of thing. And the reason why makes perfect sense because it used to be, it's still kind of hard, but it used to be very hard to make a podcast. You had to have access to computers and understand servers and how to host and all of this other stuff. And that still can be tricky, 
but you know it, it used to be very tricky and you know now you can go and get a decent microphone for 50 to 150 bucks and you can record in GarageBand and there's lots of ways to uh to post that and get it out there in the world it's much much easier and faster to create a good show and that that's what's opening the door now for so many people who before would have had no chance uh of making a show at all to now sit down and with with a, a you know some preparation and some uh a bit of a learning curve to to get good mic technique and sound good that you can produce an amazing show very minimal budget and it's just i'm telling you guys what you already know but i just think we're we're really part of something in its very early stages and uh and i think it's great as far as you know getting president obama on lots of other shows i think only people who come as a media figure are really able to uh to do that and while it's good for podcasting that we can say wow this person had uh some huge, huge figure on their show. I don't think it necessarily moves the industry forward as much as some people are suggesting that it does. Does it legitimize it? Yes, it legitimizes it, but it doesn't legitimize it as much for me as if somebody who was just a podcaster had gotten President Obama on their show. In other words, Mark Marin, so much more than just a podcaster, bringing with him his, his entire history his fact that he is a media figure and, and such a hardworking podcaster at the same time to do uh, on a podcast, that's a nice thing, but it's not as impressive to me f- for podcasting as a whole, as if it is somebody who was purely just a podcaster, quote unquote, just a podcaster had done it still great for the industry, great for everybody. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see a lot more of that before I get to the next topic and, uh, and start answering questions you guys have submitted. I would love to tell you about our sponsor. It's Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. They made a special URL just for you guys, and going to this URL supports the show, lets them know that you are listening. Please let them know you're listening by going to lynda.com slash podcast method. Linda is the online learning platform. They've got over 3,000 on-demand video courses that will help you strengthen your podcasting, business, technology, and creative skills. They're giving you a free 10-day trial. And you have access to every single video that they do. Here's a few that I think you could check out while you're there. Audio recording techniques, audio mastering techniques, music production secrets, Logic Pro 10 essential training, Pro Tools 11 essential training, podcasting with GarageBand 3. Go check out these and a lot of other videos over there on Lynda. And again, go to this special URL and support this show, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash podcast method. Go there learn some great stuff, get better, take advantage of that awesome 10-day free trial and uh, and learn a bunch of stuff while you're there. Well, another topic that I wanted to cover is uh, is this uh, purchase or acquisition of mid-roll by uh, Scripps. Scripps is, is what we would call an old-school, old-media company trying and successfully getting into new media stuff. And one of the best ways for an old media company to do that, of course, is to acquire a new media company. And that's exactly what the mid-roll is. The mid-roll is out there selling ads and making uh, making great shows. And uh, I've known Jeff uh, for a number of years. It's a big deal uh, for them, certainly. And uh, people have asked me, what is, well, what does this mean for podcasting? What, what does this mean? Does it further legitimize podcasting? Definitely, it does. And this is this is what I think people mean when they say, this is big for podcasting, this is great for podcasting. It, it, it 
what it does is it shows interest and it shows an awareness of podcasting and podcasting as potential revenue generation for these media companies, for these other media companies that are there that are like, we don't know anything about podcasting. We don't know what it means. How do we do that? This looks like a new business area. We want to get into it early. Well, they're not getting into it early. They're kind of late, even though we don't know what this industry is. And I just went on about how it's still in its infancy, which it very much is in its infancy. Uh, it, it's not new. It has been around for a long time. What's new is that people are seeing that, that it is possible to make money uh, doing podcasting. And they're also looking out there and they're saying, hmm, people aren't reading newspapers very much anymore. People aren't reading magazines very much anymore. What are they doing instead? People aren't really listening to radio very much. People aren't really even listening to XM radio. I actually was curious about this. A week or two ago, I tweeted and I said, what do you guys think uh, of, uh, of podcasts? Are they replacing shows for you? Do you listen to live stuff anymore? Do you like the idea of a live podcast anymore? Because what I've noticed over the years is that shows that, uh, that, that, that we do here, shows whose audience has grown, whose downloads have grown and are either uh, con- continuing to grow or at the very least stayed the same, but generally continuing to grow, that the number of live listeners to those shows, people who tune into our live stream, has decreased. Not tremendously. It's not like they're all gone, but uh, it's definitely declined. And numbers of downloads have either stayed the same or increased. So it's not like the show is tanking. It's just the live listener base isn't uh, as much. And I was curious about that. And I asked people, you know, the listeners, why? And they said overwhelmingly, it's they are now have become so accustomed to time shifting their stuff that before what used to be kind of like exciting and they might drop uh, what they were doing to go and listen to uh, to a show. They say, you know what? I would rather just wait and I'll listen to it on my terms. Why? Because I have so many podcasts to listen to. That is a very, very different answer than I heard when I asked the same kind of question a couple of years ago. It, there are so many great podcasts out there. There have never been more great podcasts. And I say great podcasts because there's always been a lot of podcasts, but there are a whole lot of great ones, probably some of yours. And that is a, had a dramatic effect on what people listen. People are now struggling to listen to all of the podcasts that they want. So they've become much more aware of the importance of time-shifting stuff. But that's interesting for me. And I, so I responded to the, to, to the people who were answering my question. I said, well, what, what do you listen to live anymore? Is there anything that you listen to live or even watch live? The only thing that I got, besides obviously like breaking news, if there's some kind of huge breaking news, is sports. And that's it. The only thing people seem to really watch or listen to live is a sporting event. And generally the consensus about that is I would rather, uh, I would rather not watch it if it's not live. So people will tune in live because these things are happening in real time and that's where the excitement of it is. But if it's a podcast, if it's radio, if it's TV, if it's something like that, people want to time shift it. They want to download it and listen to it uh, on their own. And I, I just, I think that's a fascinating trend and so different. And it really, really does show the huge advantage that podcasts have over radio or over regular TV. I don't think that I watch anything on regular TV except sports. 
when it's actually airing. I watch it almost always later on. I think people are in love with that. I think people do the same thing with podcasts. They want to listen to it when they're ready to listen to it. They don't care, even if it's a relatively news-ish kind of a show. And I was doing Dan Benjamin Hour uh, every single day, and we got a lot of live listeners to that show, but nowhere near the number of downloads that we got. And in asking people why, it's because they, they want to listen to it on their drive home. They want to listen to it on the way in. They can't be bothered to try and listen to it when it's actually airing. Fascinating stuff. Very interesting to me. All right. Now, on to some of your questions. The first one was asked by Dan Shaw, who is Planet S-E-E, Planet on Twitter. He says, how do your video downloads, he's talking about uh, Dan Benjamin Hour, how do your video downloads compare to audio downloads? Is video a good format for podcasting? I am one of those people who I've always loved video. I've always loved TV almost as much as radio. There is something really fun about seeing the people who are making this show, watching them make make the show that they make, whether it's a behind-the-scenes thing on TV. There used to be a, a news show that would show the production room and all the equipment and stuff. I just, I don't know. I've always loved that. I've loved that kind of behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, I love to see, I love to be able to put a face with a voice. For me, that's a lot of fun. I love to see people's reactions. I love to see how they interact with one another. What's not a big thing for me, what's not a huge draw is seeing people as sort of in the talking head with the crappy Skype connection and the bad video quality and people dropping in. I used to do that on a number of shows. A lot of people seem to do that. I get it. It's the best that we can do. But it it's not a really that much entertainment, I don't think. But if if there's a video version of a show and they're looking at a website and they're showing pictures of uh, or they're showing the website or they're talking about a product and they're showing it or showing the website of the product or showing a quick video clip uh, or you can see people who are in the same room playing off of one another, you get that behind the scenes vibe. I love that. Personally, I absolutely love that. And a fair amount of the audience for the Dan Benjamin Hour uh, really enjoyed it too. I would say about a quarter of the downloads were video downloads or views on YouTube because we put it out in, in both places, downloadable uh, and also on YouTube. And uh, it was about a quarter of the audience. I will tell you, that's the largest percentage that we have ever had for any video show that we've ever done where there was both video and audio. That's huge. Way, way, way more than we ever saw. And the audience is a decent size for that show too. Way more. And they wanted to see us and they wanted to see the background and they wanted to see the behind the scenes stuff. So in that case, because we were here in a physical studio with a number of different cameras and I'm using Wirecast to switch the cameras and the fact that we had a machine that we used that was, uh, that was hooked up so that you could see the video presentation, you could see the websites that we were looking at, you could see our show notes uh, and and if we were showing a video or a preview for a movie, you could see it. There was a lot of value to that video, not just here's Dan in front of a, a you know in front of a background, and then cut to guest number one who's over a crappy Skype connection, and then guest number two who's over. No, it was me and Hattie and another guest. Oftentimes, physically in the studio, you could see us together. We were showing you websites. We were showing you cool stuff. That made it fun, and I think that there is where the value comes from. Why is this, you would ask yourself, why am I making this a video show? 
why is this a video show? So that you can see the people and see the things that they're doing and see the interactions. Much, much more work. Tons of production time goes into it. Tons more bandwidth is necessary. Uh, a lot more prep, a lot more post-production, everything. So it, did it, the, the bigger question, I think, is did it pay off or does it pay off to do video? Would that quarter, would that 25% of people have just listened or would they have not been there at all? And that's the question I can't really answer. Would those people, that 25% just go away or are they watching because they would have listened anyway, but they, they watch because they prefer it? It's a really good question. Don't have the answer. So I don't know if it, if it really pays off in the end, but it certainly is a lot of fun to do it. And I feel like you kind of get to connect a little bit more with your audience. So I, I really enjoy doing the video stuff. I mentioned sports before. Peter Pope, P.B. Pope, has a question. Have you ever done a sports podcast? Off-season consistency is hard. Any suggestions for the off-season? I love this question. We have had two sports shows on 5x5. Yes. Have you heard of them? No. Why? Because we're not ESPN. That's it. That's where people go for sports. There are very, yes, there are some other sports conversations, but sports, for me, I love listening to sports on the radio. I love driving somewhere and it's in the evening and you're hearing, uh, you're hearing someone call a great baseball game, right? Or a college football game or even a high school football game. I love it. Love it. I mean, I'm a sports fan, but I love it. I love listening to somebody who really knows sports use all the great catchphrases and all the examples and tell you what's going on visually and use their voice as a tool, you know, to build up the excitement and get you on the edge of your seat and you're listening. You can't even see the game happening. Love that. Love that. But I would rather watch it on TV. I don't like, and I'm, I'm in a, in a good company here. I don't like most of the sports casters that are on TV. I'd much rather listen to the local, local folks call a game than the uh, the folks on that, but that aside, I like to watch. I like to watch the uh, the football games. I like to watch baseball. And for me, talking about it, I love talking about a game afterwards or talking about a team. One of my absolute all time favorite radio shows slash podcasts slash video podcasts is the Dan Patrick Show. Love it. I love his uh, his team that he has. I love the format of it. It's just a great great amount of fun to. Uh, to watch and to listen to that. However, you know, again, Dan Patrick, uh, Eisen, those folks are all tied into the big sort of ESPN group of professional sports people. And yes, guys, it's mostly guys. They have women too, but like it's mostly guys talking about sports. We had two different sports shows here, like I mentioned. Boom, out of here was the first one. And uh, the nickel was the second one. Will Carroll did the second one. Will Carroll's like a big name in sports. And even so, and as much work and time and prep as he put into that show, and as professional as he is and, and was on that show, it was still not enough. It was still not enough to draw a consistent audience, and the audience never uh, really grew beyond what it initially premiered at. He could have great guests on there. He could have, and he did. And he could have really great analysis, and he did. But it was not enough. Why? 
Is it because he's on five by five and five by five is like a geek network? I don't know. Is it because he, if he had done that show, I'll tell you what, if he had done that show and ESPN had aired it, I think it would have been a huge success because the show was amazing, but I think it was coming out of the wrong corner. That's my theory on it. I think getting a successful sports show is a huge, huge challenge. And I'll tell you why else. There are so many big outlets like ESPN. There are so many big personalities like Dan Patrick with huge followings. Why am I going to listen to podcaster XYZ talk about sports when I can put on the Dan Patrick show in the morning on my drive to work? It's tough because those are huge, huge listener bases that have already been established. Does that mean there's no room for you? Of course there's a room for you. But you're competing with the best. You're competing with people who are already out there and who are already amazing and who already have a huge audience. Doesn't mean you can't do it. You can do it. We weren't able to, but that doesn't mean you can't. I just think that you're climbing up a very, very, very tall wall when it comes to competing uh, in in that particular space. So, Peter, it doesn't mean uh, don't do it. It means you've got to be beyond amazing. You've got to be your best self uh, doing that show. Samuel K. Scattered Things on Twitter says, How do you feel about stingers between segments? What makes a good stinger? Where can you get stock stingers? I don't like stingers. I don't think you need to have stingers in between different segments of the show. I have a feeling that that kind of is is like a, um, I don't know, it's a little overproduced for me. You know, I remember that TV show, A Current Affair. They used to have that sound effect in between stories. And you know what they do on NPR all the time now? They play music behind the story all the time. It's supposed to set a mood. It's supposed to set a tone. Listen, Radio Lab does a phenomenal job of putting music and mixing it into their show, into their podcast. They're about the only ones that I really like doing that. I feel like they, they, they kind of went with that and made it successful. And now I don't know, like if I'm telling a story or if I'm listening to a story and there's music playing in the background, I feel like it's a gimmick and it turns me off and it makes me not want to listen. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but stingers and little buzzy things. You know what? You don't need you don't need a stinger. You really don't. You can carry the show without that. You can also do something like Paul Harvey would do and say, page two. It's cute. It works. It's more fun. I'm here to listen to you. If I'm listening to your podcast, I'm here to listen to you. I don't think that little beeps in between stories or little buzzers or segments or anything. That's very like morning zoo. And if you're going for a morning zoo thing, I I, I think uh, then you do stingers. Just a couple more things I want to do before we wrap this episode. Go through a couple really quick uh, responses to some questions that uh, fellow uh, 5 by 5 podcaster John Sextro asked. But before we get to John's questions, let me tell you about our bandwidth sponsor, Cashfly. Here's, how, here's what a CDN is. Content Delivery Network. They have a server in like every single location all around the U.S., in fact, all around the world. And when I publish an episode, their CDN grabs that episode and replicates it, mirrors it out to every single one of those servers in those data centers all around the world and everywhere. So that when you go to download this episode, you're not downloading it from my server. You're downloading it from the closest server to you on their content delivery network on Cashfly's CDN. That means it's going to be super fast, way faster than if you know you in Arizona had to come all the way out to some server in Austin, Texas. 
or you in New York had to come all the way out here. No, you're going to get it right from your uh, the, the, the data center right there in New York or right there in Phoenix or wherever you live. There's one that's much closer than the one that I might be using. That's how CDN works, and that's why downloads from 5x5 are so dang fast. It's because of Cashfly, and there's not really much that you do. All you have to do is put Cashfly in front of your server, which is just a configuration setting, and they'll pull everything from you and serve it out. Like There's no programming. There's no weird things involved. It couldn't be easier, and they have a wonderful, wonderful service. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. Okay, and if you sign up now, you'll get two terabyte 14-day free trial and pay as you go for the lifetime of your account. It's a very good deal. Go check it out. Offer ends July 31st. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. Let them know you heard about them right here. The last thing, again, here's some of John's questions. John does a wonderful show uh, called the IO Yes podcast, and he was in our Slack we have a Slack for our Patreon supporters and uh, and some hosts and things like that. Oh, by the way, if you want to support the show and what we do at 5x5, it, it makes a huge difference. People think I'm exaggerating. No, you guys make a huge, huge difference supporting us with Patreon. Patreon.com slash 5x5. Please, uh, if you want to help us out, help us out. We do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Uh, anyway, John asked me in the Slack. He said, here's a whole bunch of topics. Once you launch the show, the questions I had for you, and uh, he had a great list. So the, here's a few of them. Uh, how to, this sounds so, so basic, but like how to record and how, what your, is your post-production workflow? I just want to jump in and answer that one. People ask me this all the time. What do we record our shows in? What software do we use to record? I'm sure I mentioned it here, but it's worth mentioning again. I use Apple's Logic Pro 10. I don't use it because I like it. I use it because it's affordable. I use it because it's relatively straightforward. And I use it because I don't want to mess anything up or jinx anything. Knock on wood. It just works. And it works better than things like GarageBand. And it's way less expensive and easier to use in Pro Tools. And we edit with it too. So I set up the multiple tracks that I have for all the guests. And I hit record. And that's it. And when I'm done, I hit stop. That's it. And then we edit it right there. You know, we might zip the file and copy it over to our editing machine, but that's about it. It it couldn't be more straightforward. What about when I do shows where each person is individually recording their own track? What do we use? Well, I will still record here in Logic. I will still record their track here in Logic. And then they may send me their audio and I'll use the track that I recorded of them which might have Skype problems or other things in it. I'll use that as a reference track, as I've talked about here on the show. And we will edit the show using their original audio track, making sure to keep it synced with the reference track that I have here for them. But there are tons of other applications if you're not interested in spending, I think it's I think it's $199. It might be a $99 now to get Logic Pro. If you want to use something else that's cheaper or built in, you can record with QuickTime. Every Mac comes with QuickTime. It couldn't be easier. There's also a really wonderful free application called Audacity. Audacity. And uh, Audacity is an open source application. Just You just hit record and you can record stuff. And there's even some editing functionality in that. Uh, I highly recommend, though, editing in an editing type application, whether it's something like GarageBand or whether it's something like Logic or Pro Tools, something that lets you do multi-track editing really well. Learn it, 
learn to live inside of that application and, and learn all the shortcuts and you will edit very, very quickly. But that's something that's so important. One other uh, application I want to mention that is just astonishing in what it can do for you is Audio Hijack from Rogue Amoeba. It lets you do so many different things, like you can take multiple audio sources and record them into one track. You can uh, hijack different applications like Skype and record from Skype. So many different things that you can do with it. Definitely investigate Audio Hijack to see what it can uh, what it can do for you before investing in any other application. Don't think that you need Audio Hijack just to record like your end of a conversation. You certainly don't. You can do that with QuickTime. It's built in. You can do that with Audacity. That's free. You can use other applications to do that, like Sound Studio. Uh, but Audio Hijack has so many other great features. And then again, edit it in a multi-track editing application. Anything that tells you that you know you can hit record and just get it, and and like you know even Ecamm Skype recorder, call recorder, it, it's that's good to just record a conversation. But it will need some editing. It will need some post processing. Spend some time and learn, and hey, go to Linda, uh, but learn about the post-processing editing tools that are built into Logic and Pro Tools, compression, EQ, all of that. It's all necessary, and it all really, really helps. Well, maybe it's not necessary, but it, it definitely improves quality. Uh, and for post-production workflow, when we're done, we bounce those files out. We always bounce to MP3. I'm sorry, uh, Apple fans, but uh, MP, you know, all the, the other Apple sort of codecs and stuff, Never caught on. No reason to support it anymore, is my opinion. Just releases an MP3. And I'll tell you what else. It is going to be a mono MP3. I insist you make it a mono MP3. Why? Some people have said, well, you know, like if there's two of us, I'll put myself a little bit more on the left channel and I'll put my buddy a little bit more on the right channel and that, that'll sound more like what... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Just do mono. You're going to cut down the size of the file by 50%. I'll tell you how big your file should be. Approximately 25 megabytes per hour of content. Approximately. Be a little more, could be a little less, but that's your target. A mono 64K MP3. <gasps> what? You're kidding, the audiophiles say. That's hard. That's terrible. 64K that we're talking about the spoken word, the human voice. Make sure that your levels are high enough. You want them to be, in other words, loud enough so that if your volume on your computer or your headphones is at half, you can hear the people clearly. That's that's about where you want your volume level to be. Then, no, that's not technical. It's different for everybody, but that's about about halfway. Turn the speakers up halfway and you can hear the people fine on your, on your computer, on your headphones. That's about where you want to be. 64K mono. You don't want stereo files ever. It's not necessary for spoken word. And hearing people at the same level in each in each headphone, it's fine. Most people aren't even listening on their headphones. Half the time they're listening in their car. Or if they are listening in their headphones, they're walking down the street or they're at the gym or they're in the grocery store or they're working out. They're not paying attention to that little detail. I'm not saying don't take pride in your work and make things sound the best they can. No, people have a lot of podcasts and they're, they're running out of storage. You want them to keep your podcast forever? 64K monofile. And uh, then, and and that's it. Then publish it wherever you like to publish it. Get it out there so people can hear the great work that you're doing. Make it easy for them. That's about all I've got. If you've got questions for me, I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Use the hashtag podcast method, one word, if you're asking me those questions. You can also email me. Go to 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see the podcast method listed right there. 
and you can uh, you can just click that link and send me an email. Love to get your questions in either of those formats and keep the questions coming. The more questions I get, the more shows I will be able to do because I know that you're listening and I know what you want to know. So uh, hit me up. I'm on Twitter at Dan Benjamin. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>